Hey there, travelers. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. And this is True Crime International. So, Isabella, where are we stopping today on our layover? So, today we're stopping in South Korea for a super short layover, like the kind where you have to run from one plane to another. (laughs) (laughs) I I did that last week on my flight. I think I talked about it. On my flight, I I landed from Valencia to Lisbon. When we landed, there were a handful of people, uh, including myself, who were on a series of like three or four flights that were leaving in the next hour. And our pilot literally told us to sprint. That's so stressful. I. Mm. But then I got to the gate in plenty of time. Like I got to chill for like a good half an hour. So I mean, at least you, it, that's better than like better to like overshoot it than undershoot it. Yeah, I mean, it was good because we got there at like eight o'clock in the evening, and um, it's October, which is already a slower time. It was mm-hmm. October, which is already a slower time to travel, and also you know, pandemic uh, made it very slow. And so even though I had to go through uh, passport control and get my uh, passport stamped, it still didn't take very, like, I just walked right up to the lady. There was no line. But if there had been a line, probably would have missed my flight. Yeah, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't be here. Well, you'd you'd be here eventually, but not I would have gotten here. I just, it would have taken a lot longer and I would have been very sad. Yeah, we also would have been sad. That happened to me last year when I flew home, when when I flew back to Spain from Michigan. I had a three-hour layover in Paris, which is normally great. That's a great length for an international layover. But it's the same thing in Paris. So you, ha- you have to go, you have to get your po- passport stamped and you have to go back through security. And it was so busy. And we also... And Paris is a na- big airport. Were it's you at huge. the big one? Yeah. Um, we had also arrived two and a half hours late. Ooh. So... I sprinted to my gate. I saw that the flight was still there and that they were boarding. And so I sprinted to the gate. I got there and it had just closed and I couldn't get on the flight. Oh, God. So then I had to go to the desk and the lady was very nice. And she booked, rebooked me on a flight later that day, seven hours later. And I had just done a red eye flight. Yeah. And I didn't sleep and I was so tired. She gave me a voucher for free food. So Aww. I got I got a chocolate croissant and that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, was when I was coming home from Paris with my sister. My sister's a flight attendant, by the way. Um, our bus was late. Like I was on the bus with all the flight attendants and the flight attendant bus was late. So when we got to the airport, we were like rushing to get through security. But the security lady made me stop and like do something different with my bag. And then we got to the gate like 20 minutes before they started boarding. <laughs> Which isn't good for my sister. Like, it's fine for me. But my sister was then very late. And all the flight attendants were then very late. Just thinking about being late anywhere is stressing me out. I know. I hate being late. Flying arrived well, two hours early anywhere. <laughs> flying standby, I, which is what I usually fly when I'm, like, not buying tickets, Um I don't get there that early just because I hate sitting there and like not even knowing if I'm going to get on the flight. But I've flown standby overseas. And so when we came back from Switzerland, I wasn't even able to get on the flights 
because <laughs> they were so full because there was something wrong with one of the planes. So like they moved everyone to the flight that I was supposed to be on. And then I got moved to an even later flight. And then my sister and I had to fly to, we flew from Switzerland to uh, JFK. And then we had to get in a taxi and ride from JFK to LaGuardia and then we had to get on a flight in LaGuardia and go to Chicago. And then we had to rent a car and f- drive home from Chicago. <laughs> Jeez. If if we had time, we wouldn't have, like, done all that and, like, rented a car. We just would have spent the night in, in New York. But I had to be at work the next day, like, for a mandatory work event. And so that's why we had to drive home. We didn't get home till, like, 5 a.m. <laughs> I once got stranded in Texas for two days. Because all flights got canceled because of tornadoes. And I had to, I was supposed to be at work uh, by the second day. And I had to text my manager. I was like, hey, I'm in Texas and I can't leave. So you're going to have to get someone to cover my shift. Sorry. Yeah, I've been there as well. Sorry. I'm stuck in New York. Cannot get on a flight. <laughs> yep. Y'all have like a bunch of airport stories. I can tell you about panic attacks in airports, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Even when my flight got canceled and I had been traveling for 24 hours and was super tired, I just like, I just sighed. And then I got in line to talk to the guy at the desk and that took like two hours. It was one o'clock in the morning. He put me on a flight for 8 a.m., a standby on a flight for 8 a.m., which then got canceled. I slept on the floor in the, in the terminal and then I was like, screw this. And I got a hotel room. When I, when I fly, I don't expect things to go to plan. Oh, same. I expect things to go wrong, and then when they go to plan, I can be happy. <laughs> I like I like to expect the worst when I fly, because then when everything goes smoothly, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but let's get into the case. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long-ass intro. <laughs> so, basically, the other day, a friend of ours, shout out to Kara, sent us an article talking about a man who literally just confessed to murdering 14 women. We're recording this on November 5th. This happened three days ago. So November 2nd. Yeah. So let's go back a bit. From September 1986 to April 1991, the rural village of Hwaseyong in the northeastern part of South Korea was ravaged by a serial killer who killed 10 women. The bodies very much had the same MO. They were all bound and gagged. They had all been raped and they had all been strangled to death with their own clothing. God. Their own clothing. Oh, my word. This was a huge shock to the small town because violent crimes were unheard of pretty much at that time. Yeah. And because of that, it ignited the largest investigation in South Korea's history. Over two million people worked on the case, and they investigated a whopping 21,000 suspects. Oh, my God. God. And it was actually the very first string of killings that had the same, like, that had a same distinct MO in South Korea's history. And you think, actually, you'd think that would make it easier to find the person, but clearly not if they had to go through 21,000 people. That's insane. And they didn't even find him till now. Like, wow. Crazy that you talk about how this is one of the biggest cases because I actually, literally just today, watched a youtube video on another case from south korea that was really big called uh the disappearance of the frog boys and it was like a group of five young kids who went missing on like a mountain in south korea very interesting south korea's got some shit 
Yeah, apparently they do. (laughs) I can't wait to go that one day, though. My goodness. The investigation was thorough and extensive, so much so that when a rumor went around saying that the killer was targeting women wearing red on rainy days, some female police officers would put on red clothes and go out on the streets in the rain in order to try and lure the killer. But that never worked, clearly. I have mad respect yeah, for them. That is so clever. Like, that's, that's ballsy. And this was just a rumor. Clever, it was not confirmed. But like, I would be scared Oh yeah, personally to do that. But also, I am not a police officer, and police officers, like, obviously, they're, like, trying to catch the murderers. <laughs> Definitely more used to going undercover, yeah. but, like, still so scary to think about. I admired the bulls, honestly. I yeah. don't think I'd have it. I don't think I've had. I. I. I don't think I'd have the bulls to do it. Mm-mm. So a composite sketch was put together at that time, based on the memories of women who were believed to have been raped by the killer, and by one bus driver who claimed to have seen him getting off of his bus soon after one of the murders, because the bus stop was really close to where the body had been found. Oh, okay. Uh, And they knew they were looking for a guy who was in his mid-twenties and sort of average height and had a sharp nose. But that's really all they had. But even though they had that, the investigation really wasn't going anywhere. Also, they had his DNA. And they knew his blood type. And they had his hair. You couldn't couldn't really do a ton with DNA, unfortunately. No, not at that time. Not Yeah, not at the beginning. But also, they had had his semen, they had his hair. Oh, so oh, yeah. he was not careful. But mm-hmm. also, it's really hard to find someone just based off, like, a description with no sketch or anything like that. Like, so many people are medium build with a sharp nose. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, and he was also described as having short dark hair. I'm like, this is South Korea, man. Yeah, but it's South Korea. <laughs> they, all have, they all have dark hair. <laughs> Especially, like, this was the 90s, probably before, because now a lot of South Koreans like to dye their hair and stuff. Yeah. This was mm-hmm. before, you know, the rise of K-pop and shit. Yeah. <laughs> But if you're if you live in South Korea and you want to commit murders, maybe dyeing your hair crazy colors is a really shitty way of going about that. <laughs> because you would stick out. I yeah. feel like that's anywhere, like anywhere like True. with a killer with some unique colored hair. I feel like that's just a bad idea. That's like a literal target on yeah. your head. <laughs> a literal target on your head. A literal <laughs> target on your head. The bright yellow haired killer. <laughs> the blue-haired bastard. <laughs> sorry, continue. The maroon-haired murderer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then something interesting happened. In 1989, there was a copycat. In July okay, 1989, I don't get copycat killers. Be original if you're gonna do it. You know, they like to send each other love letters. That's what it is. It's disgusting and creepy, though. Yeah. I mean, if you copycat and don't leave any DNA, then all that has to happen is the actual killer to get caught. And, like, you're off scot-free. But still, yeah, originality goes a long way. Unless the copycat killer is like, no, that is not my fucking work. That is a copycat. (laughs) Like, that is... That is shitty craftsmanship. <laughs> Happens in Hannibal. <laughs> so in July 1989, a 14-year-old girl was murdered in a very similar way to the other victims, but the DNA evidence left on the body didn't match that of the other killer. However, this murder led them to 22-year-old Yoon, and we're just calling him Yoon. That's his surname. 
in South Korea, the names of former inmates, criminals, uh, in some cases are protected and he is protected. You can find his name on the internet, uh, but out of respect for the South Korean law, I'm just going to go with Yoon because that's what they use. Yoon confessed to the murder, but he claimed that he and others being investigated had been tortured during the interrogation because the police were desperate to get a conviction. Also, he was identified in this crime through his hair, which was only a 40% match to the one at the crime scene. And hair matching is already not a great science. Yeah. And so to only have 40%, I mean, come on. And he he got convicted. He was convicted for the murder and believed to be the perpetrator for the other murders as well. Though he was only charged for the one, he was given a life sentence. Huh. But he maintained his innocence and he appealed and ended up serving 20 years and was released from prison in 2009. Okay. So, like, we're not positive if it was actually him? Hold on. (laughs) So on November 13th, 2019, so almost a year ago now, Yoon filed for a retrial on his case because news came out that someone had confessed to 10 of the murders, to the the 10 serial murders. That person was Lee Chun-jae, a 56-year-old in prison for life for the rape and murder of his 18-year-old sister-in-law. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Lee was able to accurately describe the crime scene in a way that only the killer would know. And that really freaked out investigators. And when I say the the crime I'm talking about is the murder of the 14-year-old that Yoon was charged for. Oh, okay. Also, so did he just like, like they confronted him and he was like, yeah, it was me. They actually had been testing DNA. Uh, So the DNA found at the crime scene with DNA in inmates that had uh raped and murdered people and his matched and so they gotcha. confronted him he was like it wasn't me and then like a month later he was like all right yeah it was me he's like ah you got me <laughs> and he was like oh but, they- yeah i did those 10 but then there were four more as well and they were like what the shit man oh, God. did they um did they like rush test his after yoon like brought it to their attention or was did this all kind of happen like at the same time no yoon didn't bring it to their attention because yoon filed in november and the testing was done in september he confessed in october gotcha okay Okay, cool and so then there wasn't ever a copycat it was all the same guy yeah okay Okay. there was an issue in the i'm not sure this has been resolved there was an issue in the test in the uh, blood type testing because lee type o blood uh, but some blood at the crime scenes was found to be type B, so they thought that the killer had type B blood. Hmm. All right. I wonder if the victim was type B. Could be. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. That that information seemed really muddled. If you guys, if any of you out there know more about it, do let me know. Or if you know about like blood testing and how it, like how often blood types are they get it wrong or whatever. Let me know, because that, that part of the story was very unclear to me. So in January 2020, the courts accepted the retrial, and I don't know what happened with the trial. I imagine that throughout the year it was put off because South Korea took the pandemic seriously very early, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but on the yeah, South Korea has done a great job. Actually, a, a friend of mine in the town where I live in Spain was teaching in South Korea earlier this year, and he was like, the testing and stuff was crazy. And they nice. <laughs> yeah, they quarantined you if you had been uh, in contact with someone that tested positive. They they really took it seriously, and they they've done pretty well. So, have they had a um, any more spikes at all, or anything like that? I don't know about recently, but I do know that in the summer there were some spikes. Uh, like I say, spikes. They were like two, three hundred cases in a day. Which to us is so low, but to <laughs> to them us was very is like high. very low. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and it was it was connected to nightclubs and stuff. Gotcha. On November second, twenty twenty, Lee showed up to the trial and, in front of everybody, including Yoon, confessed to all fourteen murders. In the trial, he said, quote, "I didn't think the crimes would be buried forever. I still don't understand why I wasn't a suspect." Crimes happened all around me and I didn't try hard to hide things, so I thought I would get caught easily. There were hundreds of police forces. I bumped into detectives all the time, but they always asked me about people around me. I heard from someone that a person with a disability was arrested, but I didn't know which crime he was arrested for as I committed many crimes. I heard that many people had been investigated and wrongfully suffered. I'd like to apologize to those people. I came and testified and described the crimes in hopes for the victims and their families to find some comfort when truth is revealed. I'll live my life with repent. Thanks, I guess. Like <laughs> I, you still did it, dude. Also, like Thanks for nothing. He more he emphasized his apology to the people who had been wrongfully treated while they were investigated rather than the victims, which yeah. is kind of frustrating. And he's like, he he basically is like shitting on the police. He's like, I didn't try and hide anything. You guys just fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> also, that that is crazy though that they missed him even though he was like in plain sight. That's where he hid. He hid in plain sight. Yeah. And uh, I do think that he decided to confess because the statute of limitations is up on all of these murders, and he can't be convicted for a single one. What an ass. Yep. I mean, he's already in prison for life. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I think it's going to be really hard for him to ever get some sort of parole parole or appeal. Parole. <laughs> parole. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the statute of limitations is up. And even though he's confessed to all of it, nothing's going to come of it except for like a total wipe of Yoon's record. Like really, the the whole trial is just a way to formally say... Yoon didn't do it. Lee did it. Let's go home. Is Yoon getting any compensation? I don't know. Like like I said, this confession happened three days ago from the time we're recording this. Oh, um, true, true, true. So if anything's going to come from this, it would probably be compensation for Yoon. But there's mm-hmm. not going to be any additional repercussions for Lee, which is very frustrating. Yeah, that is really frustrating. But that's pretty much it. This case is a huge deal in South Korea. In my research, I saw it compared to the likes of the Zodiac Killer. But at least this one is solved now. Yeah. A movie was even made about this case in 2003 called Memories of Murder, which was uh, written and directed by Bong Joon-ho, which is the guy that made Parasite. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. So you can check that out if you want to. I think it was the second film he ever made. 
That's really cool, actually. And uh, another thing you can check out is our social media. Shameless we're plug. At True- <laughs> <laughs> we're at True Crime International on Instagram. No, we're no. not. No. We're at True Crime <laughs> IMTL on Instagram. Uh, and you can also find our Facebook by typing in True Crime International. That one's right. And- Make sure you type in just True Crime International because we have a page that you can like that says True Crime International Podcast, but you just want to join the True Crime International group. Maybe I should change the title of that. I might do that. (laughs) But uh, you can come on any of our social medias and chat with us about the cases. We would love to hear it. We would love to hear your opinions, your theories. Uh, We would love to hear about your countries and your cultures. Anything that you want to talk to us about, we just... We just want some new friends, so come hang out with us. I'm a big theory gal. I yeah. want to hear all the theories. I like theories and I like culture. Like I don't even care if it's not related to the cases. Just tell me something cool about where you're from. <laughs> I live <laughs> for a it. a fun fact. Or tell us about a new killer that we don't know about. Anything you want, just just talk to us. We love it. Uh, we and if you are enjoying our show and would like some extra bonus content, we do have a Patreon. There's only one level right now, which is just $5 a month. And if you can swing it and you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate a, a monthly donation on our Patreon. You get at least three bonus pieces of content a month, a full bonus episode, a red eye, and an, a layover like this. So Lots of extra content, and we will be adding more levels once we have more patrons. Also, feel free to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so you can make us feel good about ourselves, and it'll make our podcast more visible to others. We hope you learned something new, and we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International.